history of the franchise. Here we go, They're seven seconds. Deep. Berkovici, he's just going to air it out deep downfield, and uh, no white shirts around. Oh, it's oh, for a touchdown. It doesn't get any better than this. What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. We are in the month of August, and August, at least to me, means it's football season. We are getting so close to it, um, just a few weeks away. And starting today, I'm going to work on some preseason predictions going over um, each conference in college football, starting with the Big Ten today. Um, I'd like to welcome in Joey Bonadonna to help get us going. Joey, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Jerry. How are you? I am great. Um, it feels like it's been forever since college football season, so I'm super happy for it to get back. Um, and yeah, let, let's just get right into it, man. Um, let's start off, you know, college football, it's all about the storylines, the narratives. What are some of your favorite storylines to look at in the Big Ten going into this 2022 season? Well, I think obviously you have to touch on how Ohio State um, is one of the best teams in the country um, and always has been, but I think this year especially. Um, the talent that they have, especially on that offensive side of the football, is, is no joke. Obviously, C.J. Stroud um, coming in here at Ohio State, um, going to have uh, a lot of targets and big offensive weapons starting in the backfield with Travion Henderson, um, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, obviously, you're losing guys like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, but still a lot of talent on that offense, and I think they're going to be one of the um, offenses and teams overall to watch, uh, not only in the Big Ten, but the entire country. Yeah, 100%. Um, to me, first thing that came to mind talking about Big Ten storylines, I think the flip side of uh, the Ohio State, the anti-Ohio State, also known as Michigan, um, they're coming off of you know their best season in forever. They finally conquered Ohio State. Um, won a Big Ten championship, made it to the college football playoff. It's going to be hard to follow that up, and I, I think a big thing with them is who's going to be starting at quarterback. You have Cade McNamara, the returning starter. He's going to be a senior. Did a fine job overall. You know They were able to win games with him. Then you have J.J. McCarthy, this star-studded sophomore looming, but you feel like there's more big play potential, more um, – you know, he could unlock that passing offense a little more. And you got some exciting weapons around him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see ultimately what the decision Jim Harbaugh makes. We saw last year a little bit of both of them playing either way. And it seems like, you know, there's a solid dynamic going between, you know, the both of them that I don't think it's exactly a controversy per se. But um, it should be an interesting competition. It'll be big, you know, in shaping the conference, in shaping the East. And my other one, I mean, since we're just on the topic of mm-hmm. these, you know, we go from Ohio State to Michigan. Let's go from Michigan to Michigan State. What does Michigan State have for an encore? I think Michigan State was probably one of the biggest, you know, surprises in all of college football last year with the way that they just emerged as one of, honestly, at a point, one, just one of the best teams in the country. Um they, you know, rode Kenneth Walker into a New Year's Six Bowl. And although they lose him, they bring back a fair amount in terms of, you know, you bring back quarterback Peyton Thorne, see what he has. Um, and they hit the portal really hard. Um, and running back, they got Jared Broussard from Colorado and Jalen Berger. 
Um, defense, he had a mere speed. I'm just fascinated to see what Michigan State looks like in the year 2022. I definitely uh, – Michigan State is going to be a team to watch. Um, I think they are a very talented team. They do have a tough stretch here where um, kind of in the middle of the season where you have Ohio State and Wisconsin, you welcome them to East Lansing, then you get the bye, and then you go to Ann Arbor. Um, I think that's going to be a real testament of what this team is going to be. And obviously you have that trip out to Seattle um, in non-conference play and Husky Stadium is no joke. So um, I think that'll be also a game to watch. But outside of that, I think those are the games that are really going to uh, prove what uh, Michigan State can be this year. I know they just got a, um, a quarterback, um, freshman quarterback, Hauser. It, it could be interesting to see um, maybe what he, if, if he gets some snaps this year. Um, I was actually talking with a friend who's a Michigan State fan said, I don't know, I kind of want to see Hauser this year over Thorne, but Thorne just had one of the best seasons you could ask for from a quarterback getting, giving you a win over Michigan and a New Year's Six Bowl win. Um, and I think this year, even with losing Kenneth Walker and you have your passing weapons, I think we're going to see a lot of um, high-octane passing from the Spartan offense this year. Yeah, I, um, I totally agree. Um, moving on, before we get to uh, the nitty-gritty of the you know standing prediction, do you have some uh, breakout players that you're looking at to, you know, possibly take that step forward in the 2022 season? Now, this is where things are going to start to turn towards Wisconsin. And I'm not going to say that this is necessarily a breakout year, but for Wisconsin, with one player, you just need to have a competent year is Graham Mertz. And I don't, I, I would be remiss if we are not going to discuss Graham Mertz on this podcast and now not necessarily Graham Mertz needs to have a breakout year it's going to be the receivers that he has um, with losing your top three receivers from last year's team you lose Danny Davis Kendrick Pryor and one of the best tight ends um, in the Big Ten from last year in uh, Jake Ferguson Barry Alvarez's grandson um, but you have Chimray DK, who is one of the only other receivers for Wisconsin to um, really put up any big numbers. You have um, sophomores, uh, Marcus Allen and Skylar Bell. They had some um, pretty solid snaps in the bowl win over Arizona State, um, had some big catches there on some third downs that helped uh, advance drives. I think if you're, if you're talking about Wisconsin, um, you have to be very intrigued with at least as much as you can be intrigued of a passing offense at Wisconsin with the athleticism that you have in the receivers in DK Bell and, um, and Allen, obviously Braylon Allen, Ches Malusi, um, and the entire running back room is going to bring you a great rushing attack, but these new receivers, what are they going to do to step up and try and fill the role and give Graham Mertz an opportunity to kind of give this Wisconsin offense a second, um, second facet to it other than rushing the ball. Yeah, I mean that's feels like Wisconsin. It's just they're all they they're in similar predicaments most of the time where 
they have these talented running backs. They always have, you know, this big offensive line and they just have this, this quarterback that hasn't, you know, proven to get it done, but we'll see. Uh, my breakout picks, I have three uh, starting in Ann Arbor and that's running back Donovan Edwards, the local product, former highly touted recruit. This past year, he didn't get a ton of playing time uh, behind Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum, but in that time, he had 35 carries for 174 yards, three touchdowns, as well as 20 catches for 265 yards in the touchdown. Um, when you lose Haskins, that's a lot of production that's going away. And yes, Blake Corum is awesome, and I think that he is going to take a, a fair share of it, but I don't think that Michigan, with having someone as talented as Edwards waiting in the wings, they don't need Corm to be a full-scale bell, bell cow taking every single snap. I think Edwards is, you know, versatile, and they love to rotate their backs. I think Edwards is going to have a big year. Um, and regardless of what happens at quarterback for Michigan, I think that running duo is going gonna, is gonna to give a lot of defenses, you know, problems and keep Michigan in games. Uh, my next one, um, you know, from the position that we'll – talk about the most probably here and just when you when you're talking about football it's where everyone goes especially for a breakout pick uh, I have Maryland quarterback Kelly Atongavailoa he's uh you know 2020 had a shaky year seven touchdowns seven interceptions then he had a much better year last year showing some improvement throwing 3,800 yards uh, his completion percentage up to nearly 70 percent 26 touchdowns to 11 interceptions um, even, I mean, his last game in the New Era Pinstripe Bowl, he was 20 of 24, 265 yards and two touchdowns. I think with the, you know, weapons around him at receiver, um, you know, going into his senior year, um, I think Talia can be one of the better quarterbacks in this conference um, and, and be a big difference maker for Maryland. And actually, um, talking about Maryland, and we'll we'll kind of get to it uh, when we talk about standings. I have Maryland going bowling this year again, and I think they're going to be a, a team that you cannot really sleep on the Big Ten East. Um, they're going to have some some tests here on the road, but I think they're going to be a team that can possibly pull off a big upset this year and um, be in the be in the run of. Uh, being at a good bowl game coming out of the Big Ten East. I'm a big Maryland guy. We'll talk about just how big of a Maryland guy in a little bit. Then my last breakout guy um, on the defensive side of the ball and switching gears to the other side of the con uh, other side of the conference in the West. That's Iowa linebacker Justin Jacobs. Um, Iowa just churns out good defensive players. Uh, Jacobs last year had 53 tackles, a forced fumble, and an interception. Um, Iowa, not necessarily known for their, you know, recruiting efforts, but this is a guy who's a former four star. Um, he should get more, more of a prominent role with some, you know, guys departing such as Dane Belton. And I think the boost when you're playing next to such a talented player like Jack Campbell, um, is going to do wonders for him. I think he's going to emerge as another one of those studs, you know, at Iowa that you might not know the name because he's not, you know, none of them are that sexy players, but they all get that job done. And I think Justin Jacobs could be the next guy to do that for the Hawkeyes. And yeah, let's get into the, into the standings. Do you want to start first question? Do you want to start with the West or the East? Um, we'll start with the West. Um, yeah. Start with yeah. the West. Do you want to, do you want to go bottom to top or top to bottom? We'll go bottom up. So starting in last in the big 10 West, I've got Northwestern. 
Um, losing Brandon Joseph to Notre Dame, um, your best player, obviously doesn't help. Um, and yeah, Northwestern, not really much to write home about. Um, a, a not awesome, favorable schedule. Um, there might be an opportunity here. I mean, Ryan Field is always a tough place to win. And I think you maybe have a shot of um, giving Wisconsin a run there, um, similar to what there was in 2020, but I, I do have Wisconsin winning that game. Um, starting the season out in Dublin, obviously a not a favorable start to your season playing an international game halfway across the world uh, against Nebraska. Um, that'll be an interesting week zero game to watch um, if you like Big Ten football being played on the other side of the world. Um, but outside of that, Northwestern, I've, the only two wins I've got for them are Southern Illinois and Miami, Ohio. I think um, Duke's going to come in and uh, give a possible upset, if you want to say, and um, kind of sets the tone of what Northwestern's going to have this season at 2-10. At the bottom of the Big Ten West for me, I have the Illinois fighting Illini. Um, honestly, Illinois, whether you really feel like they did or not, they had a solid year last year. They went five and seven, nearly made a bowl game. I think one of the most memorable things was when they took down uh, Penn State in that like 25 million overtime game. Now, I remember watching that. That was a fun game. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's just that I'm not as familiar with the team is, as you know, the, the diehard Illini faithful. But it's just hard to put much love into a team that's probably going to have Tommy DeVito or Art Stowski starting at quarterback. Um, I just – I don't really see a lot of love there. I will say I think Isaiah Williams could be a solid receiver option. But, you know, their, their defense showed a little bit of improvement. But I they're, they're returning six starters on that defense – and there's just, I don't know. Like, I don't even have that much to say about the bottom of, of this West side. There's just, I'm, I'm not a believer in Illinois. I don't really see much of an upside there. I have them going three and nine with wins over Wyoming, uh, Virginia, and Chattanooga. I just did, I don't know. They have, they have a tough slate in conference considering, like, you know, I think their more winnable games in terms of like a Northwestern would be their their most winnable game. They play that at Northwestern. Their crossover games, they don't get any of the slouches besides maybe an Indiana at the beginning of the year. Not a not not an Illini guy. So I have them at three and nine and seventh. I also have Illinois coming in at three and nine um, in the five spot in the Big Ten West. Um, one game that I thought was interesting, flashback to March Madness, Chattanooga versus Illinois. Could we possibly see a Chattanooga revenge game within the athletic department there in week five? Um, but I think that would just be a classic FCS over FBS upset. I did not pick it. I picked Illinois. Um, but I've got them at three and nine with wins over Wyoming, Chattanooga, and then Northwestern to close out the year. Uh, next for me, I have... Northwestern at four and eight. They, you know, similarly, I, I don't expect much from them. You bring back Ryan Helensky, but he just has not, you know, performed up to any sort of level of expectation. 
I don't, you know, I, I do kind of like the running back duo of Cam Porter and Evan Hull. I think that's that's not bad, but I don't I, I, I don't know what to expect from this defense when they um they gave up 34 points a year last year. They couldn't stop the run. I just and I, I don't I don't see any big difference makers when you you know they just lost their best player, like you mentioned, Brandon Joseph transferring to to Notre Dame. So with, with that being said, I, I don't see the upside for Northwestern besides that maybe history will tell you that even years bode better for them than odd years. Um, you know, with 2018 and 2020 years where they won the division, but I, I, I don't see the division as a realistic goal for Northwestern this year. I have them four and eight with wins over Duke, Southern Illinois, Miami of Ohio, and Illinois. And uh, next up for me, top five here in the Big Ten West is where things can really be shaken up any way possible. And right here is where I'm going to put Nebraska. And I, I do have them going off to a really solid start to start the season. Um, I have them at six and six. Starting 3-0 and with Northwestern, North Dakota, and Georgia Southern, all um, two of them at home, one of them um, in a neutral site game. But then you have Oklahoma. This is where the season kind of hinges. Um, and welcoming in former rival, um, f- former Big 12 rival into um, Memorial Stadium is really where you're going to get a little bit of juice into this team if you win or if you lose. And I have them losing to Oklahoma, going into the bye, then getting upset by Indiana. Then they rattle off three wins. They're sitting at six and two going into November. And that's where a tough stretch starts with Minnesota at Michigan, Wisconsin at Iowa. And I have them dropping all four of those. Um, It kind of just goes back to last year where Nebraska, they are a talented team. But I don't know if I can trust them going into a um, dogfight game in the fourth quarter. And that's really what November is about. And that's what's going to take to beat these four teams. And I don't I don't know if they're going to be able to have it this season. So six and six, they do go bowling. Um, but uh, six and six, obviously, probably not what Nebraska wants for this team this year. Yeah, I mean, six and six at, at least would be their first bowl game under Scott Frost. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um here, I, I agree with you. I think these top five spots, there are a lot of different orders you could go with them. Um, for me at five, I have the Purdue Boilermakers going six and six. Um, I'm And don't, this shouldn't go off as an anti-Aiden O'Connell, um, you know, idea. I think Aiden O'Connell is an absolute stud last year through 28 touchdowns to just 11 interceptions. They're coming off of a nine-win season, but my main concern with them um, on the offensive side of the balls, they didn't run the ball well to begin with, and then they lose their top three pass catchers in David Bell, obviously drafted high, Jackson Anthrop, who absolutely killed it in that bowl game, um, and then Milton Wright was named academically ineligible. That's a lot of talent to be losing, and I, I still think you know O'Connell can can have success, but I'm not. I'm a little apprehensive when you're losing the, you know that many guys. The defense was good last year, but you're losing a big playmaker in George Karloftis. Um, back to the offensive side of the ball, you're, you're, I guess their top targets, I would expect it to be Iowa transfer Charlie Jones. Um, and I think, I think Purdue's a solid team. I think 
and in a lot of scenarios, they could win more than six games, but it, they have an interesting draw. Having to go to Wisconsin is unfortunate. Um, they don't necessarily have a challenge, a horrible crossover. They open the year with Penn State, but they don't have to play Michigan, Ohio State, or Michigan State, which bodes well for them. But it's just that lack of returning production at receiver scares me a little bit. And I think when they're, you know, there are a lot of, you know, close, you know, it's hard to differentiate between some teams in the West. That's why I have Purdue at, uh, at fifth. I have them winning games against Indiana State, Syracuse, Florida Atlantic, um, Illinois, Northwestern, and Indiana. And I have them, uh, Purdue, coming in at number four in the Big Ten West, seven and five. Um, yeah, starting the season against Penn State, um, probably not the best draw, but a possible um, opening way to open the season and um, get the ball rolling. But I think Minnesota is also a game where maybe first time going back there since that that interesting game back in 2020. I remember watching that one. It was kind of a controversial ending. Um, but Purdue, yeah, loses, um, loses a big playmaker in George Perlaptis, and that was kind of their big guy on their defensive front. Um, I've got them going seven and five wins over Indiana State, Syracuse, uh, Florida Atlantic, Maryland on the road. Um, I, I think that'll be a, a good game to watch Illinois, Northwestern, and Indiana. Fourth through me, I have the Nebraska Cornhuskers. They have, you know, they're fascinating. I have them at seven and five. They start off the year with what I would consider to be a very easy schedule for the most part. Um, you open with Northwestern. Um, and then you, you you mentioned the challenge of Oklahoma in week four, but their, their non-conference is, is uh, not – not too crazy when you're just playing, you know, North Dakota, Georgia Southern. That, you know, that's those both should be cakewalks. In terms of the team itself, they, you know, it's really put up or shut up time at this point. They have been incredibly unsuccessful under Scott Frost, but with the amount of money that they have, you know, allocated to him, they haven't really been able to get away from it yet. They hired Mark Whipple away from Pitt to hopefully revamp the offense. They got a solid quarterback transfer in Casey Thompson coming from Texas. Um, he had, he, I mean, he had a solid year, 24 touchdowns to nine interceptions. Defense, they bring back some pieces. The defense hasn't really been the issue. Um, they have some high-profile transfers like uh, Ochine Mathis. I don't believe that's how you say his first name from TCU. Uh, Stephon Wynn, defensive lineman from Alabama. Nebraska was in a lot of games last year. They were competitive. They just couldn't seal the deal. That's kind of how I see this entire season going for them of sorts with a little bit better results. I have them going seven and five after starting off, uh, after starting off seven and one, their last four games are brutal to me. Um, you know, at home against Minnesota, that's a winnable game, but I, I like Minnesota in that. Then they have to go to the big house. Then they play Wisconsin, albeit in Lincoln. Then they close the year at Iowa. That's a tough end, and I just I don't I don't think this is quite that good enough of a team to put it all together like that. Granted, when you're making schedule predictions, it's hard because it's, it, to me the way I do it is it's more so in a general sense to get the record 
and to make sure it all kind of like evens out like certain games I'll tweak to make sure that like it ends up making sense in the grand scheme of everyone but the the way Nebraska schedule laid out is fascinating like I I think it's very possible that that they start off seven and one considering you know Oklahoma's good but then other than that the best team they play is Purdue and I, yeah, it's at Purdue, but that, I still think that's a pretty winnable game. So it's just kind of Nebraska football. It'll be, it's always, it's always fascinating. There's always something to watch with Nebraska football. Number three here, um, I've got Minnesota at eight and four. Um, I think Minnesota, obviously coming off of a bull win, they have the axe. Um, and you said and that they, was such pain. I say that with such pain. I, I, I'm going to say this in my Minnesota, in my Wisconsin, um, touching on them. The only, the way to determine if this season is a success for Wisconsin, I don't care if they lose to Iowa, Nebraska. If you beat Minnesota, that that is a successful season in the Big Ten West. Just get that axe back. Um, but I digress. Minnesota, they start off with a pretty favorable non-conference, New Mexico State, Western Illinois, and Colorado. Colorado is probably going to be one from what I've gathered, one of the worst teams in um, FBS this year. Um, so I got them starting 3-0. Then they go to East Lansing. That's not going to be an easy game by any, cha- by, any, um, by any measure. They're going to lose that one. Um, going to the, uh, going to happy Valley. Um, I got them losing there. Then to close out the season, um, Iowa coming in, and this is where the big 10 West is really going to be shaken out in these last two weeks. Um, very similar to what it was back in 2019, I believe. Um, it's going to be, uh, Iowa and Wisconsin beating Minnesota and they're going to go, um, Minnesota is going to go eight and four, not really anything out of the ordinary. I think Minnesota is a solid program and they're going to be favored in a lot of these games this year, but eight and four, uh, third in the big 10 West coming out with the five and four record in conference. Um, just not really any totally exciting games for them this year um, outside of November. Yeah. Um, third in the division, I also have Minnesota at a record of eight and four, you know, in the off season experience, you know, when you're trying to predict records, uh, experience and returning production is King. And they have that on their offense, bringing back quarterback Tanner Morgan, who has been in college football since, you know, prohibition, um, their top receiver, Chris Almond Bell. And I think the biggest of them coming back from injury from early last year, Muhammad Ibrahim who people forget he was, I mean, he was off to a great start last year. He's rushed for over a thousand yards two times. He's one of the best running backs in, in the big 10. I, I honestly think if he's healthy for their whole season, he can be one of the best in the country. Um, unfortunately for him, they are losing four starters on the offensive line and their front seven is going to feel a bit of a hit with the loss of boy and Mafe. Their DBs solid. Um, I think overall they can be competent on the defensive side. And I think Tanner Morgan, I, 
Like at this point, you know, generally what you're getting with him, but I think he can be better than what he was last year. I think he's probably somewhere in, you know, a slight step above that, but he's obviously, you're, he's no superstar. Uh, Minnesota is just a solid team. There's, there's a lot to like about them. I don't think that they're going to be a particularly like, like crazy fun team to watch. I, I really like Ibrahim, but other than that, I think they'll win most of the games that they should. Like I, I have them beating New Mexico State, Western Illinois, Boulder, um, Purdue, Illinois, Rutgers, Nebraska, and Northwestern. So eight and four record for them. And talking about Minnesota, I mean, last year, I'm not saying this in hindsight because they beat Wisconsin. That team was better than an eight and four record. Um, they had two inexplicable losses to Bowling Green and Illinois. Um, I think if they win those. Uh, they are possibly in contention to try and beat Iowa in that game in November and maybe have a shot at the Big Ten West last year. Um, this year, um, I think it, it'll be another interesting run down there in the late stretch in November, but um, still don't have them coming out as top dogs. Uh, but second um, is going to be Iowa at 10 and 2. Um, they as well have um, not too crazy of a schedule. Um, trying to pull it up here. Um, yeah, I mean, your non-conference, you, you've got your rivalry game with Iowa State. Again, that's going to be another hinge. Iowa State's not a good or bad program. Um, and, and especially with it being at Kinnick, that's not going to be a tough game. For them, I have them starting out undefeated. Um, do I do have them beating Michigan at home uh, and then going into the bye week undefeated. But after that, they lose to Ohio State, um, rattle off two wins with Northwestern and Purdue, um, losing to Wisconsin at home and then beating Minnesota on the road and beating Iowa to try and keep their Big Ten West hopes alive. But uh, it just does not shake out um, as I do a Wisconsin uh perhaps biasedly taking a big time West. I, uh, I'm, I'm on the exact same thing with Iowa as you, I mean, the defense is so elite, man. Jack Campbell's one of the best linebackers in the country. Riley Moss, one of the best corners in the country. The defensive line is strong. Um, they bring back 17 starters. It just doesn't really feel like it when you lose, you know, your, your all world center, Tyler Linderbaum, uh, starting running back. Iowa has the defense to do it. Heck, I mean, they have some playmakers like they have. I think Sam Laporte is a pretty solid tight end. If he could just have someone throw him the ball, it's at the top of the Big Ten West. It's very similar for Iowa and Wisconsin in the sense where they just need some, I would just competent quarterback play. Like if, if Spencer Petras or Alex Padilla could just be, could just be okay. Like if they could just be efficient, um, it, they'd be fine. Like they, they could be, they could, you know, I, I don't know if I, their ceiling is much higher than winning a division or maybe competing for a big 10 championship, but they'd be so much more fun to watch and could be, you know, a, a better, just a better team in general, regardless of what you're saying about like record or something. Um, but but I don't know. I, that defense is going to keep them in games, and I think it'll continue to dominate for them. So I have them at 10-2 and two, um, with wins over South Dakota State, 
Iowa State at home because I, I made the mistake last year if I picked Iowa State and I, I messed up. The Iowa owns the Cyhawk rivalry. It's, it's all Iowa. I made that mistake, and I'd like to make amends. Um, wins over Nevada, Rutgers. I like them against Michigan at home. Um, as well as on the road to Illinois. We have the exact same on this one. We're having lose to Ohio State, bouncing back with wins over Northwestern and Purdue before falling to Wisconsin and then closing it out with another two wins against Minnesota and Nebraska. So, yeah, that's who I have at number two. So now who do you have at the top of the Big Ten, Joey, or Big Ten West, rather? Um, not totally a shock. I'm going with Wisconsin. Um, so – yeah, really with Wisconsin, it, it's going to be a very polarizing season, I think, for Wisconsin. You're losing a lot on that defense, but I trust Jim Leonard to get that figured out pretty quickly. Um, they always have talent um, at the offensive line, running back position and defense. And I think offensive line, they're going to retool a bit defense um nick herbig's gonna be a contender for pos uh, for sure big 10 defensive player of the year um maybe up there with being um one of the top defensive players in the country but um and i'll preface this i don't i think that's will anderson's um award to lose at this point um but for wisconsin overall they have a very high ceiling and also a I think they could have a low floor. Um, it starts off with this intriguing non-conference matchup with Washington State. Um, it's going to be um, uh, Cam Ward. Um, it's going to be his first uh, FBS matchup um, with Washington State after they'll play in Idaho and then come to Camp Randall. Um, I think if Washington State's able to win that game. Things might go off the rails for Wisconsin, but I have them starting 3-0 and in non-conference play, losing at Ohio State. And then after that, um, I think you're going to have some tough games, but I, can, I think kind of like we talked about before, if you can just get Graham Mertz to be a competent quarterback, which he has proven that he can, but can we see that for a full 60 minutes for multiple games? We will see. But I think games against Michigan State on the road, um, that's going to be a tough test. Um, Iowa and Nebraska on the road. And then finishing the season against Minnesota, um, which usually was kind of a no-brainer. But now, I mean, Wisconsin, it, they don't win the Axe every year. But this year I have them taking it back. Um, they just a, a lot of close games. I think I see for Wisconsin down the stretch, Maryland, um, like we talked about before, I think that's going to be a very interesting matchup, um, in November at camp Randall. Um, I think every time, every year you see Wisconsin start to look forward to a big game. And this is going to be a big stretch for Wisconsin with Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota, and I think this is going to be a possible game where they start to look ahead and they lose to Maryland at home and kind of ruin their chances of taking this Big Ten West going away. But um, I don't know. I just, I just I think this is a team where the Big Ten West is their goal every year. And um, 
that's just their ex expectation. And I think they're going to fulfill that. I, I think obviously Braylon Allen's going to have a really good year. Um, you get Ches Malusi back from injury. Um, it's all really going to hinge on if you can get that second aspect of the offense and get Graham Mertz going again. Um, like we kind of saw to start 2020 and we haven't really seen it since. Yeah. Um, atop the big 10 West, I have Wisconsin at a record of 11 and one. I have no reason to really ramble on about him too much. I think you did most of that. Um, Braylon Allen, it starts with him. He's one of the best running backs in the country. I think he's going to have that Jonathan Taylor-esque year. He's just that good. Um, the only reason that his numbers might be a little down from that is because they have Ches Malusi who might, you know, take a little bit if they want to spell, you know, Braylon Allen want to keep him, um, you know, keep him fresh as, you know, as much as possible. Jim Leonard, one of the best you know, coordinators in the whole country. I think the defense – should remain solid even with some big departures such as Leo Chanel. Um, and the big question mark, it's all about Graham Mertz. Um, and it starts with that Washington State game. You're, you know, it's nice that you have it at, you know, in, in Madison, but Washington State's going to give you a pretty, pretty good test. And from there, you're going to know what you have because, you know, not before not too long, they're going to have Ohio State. And I have Ohio State winning that game, but that, you know, for them to be able to compete in that game, go into that game at three and zero would be big. Overall, I just Wisconsin, they're just hard to beat with the way that they are the the way that they're assembled year in, year out. And even with the question mark of Graham Mertz, I think maybe if there's just a little bit of efficiency, like I mean, he had a 10 to 11 touchdown interception ratio last year at a 59.5 completion percentage. I mean, that's horrible. That's like, there's no way of slice. That's bad. If he could just be like efficient, like he doesn't even need to necessarily do that much, but if he can just, just take care of the football, I think Wisconsin can win the, you know, win the division because Iowa might end up having the better defense, but Iowa doesn't have any playmaker that comes close to someone like Raylan Allen. So that's what I've, I've Wisconsin 11 one with their only loss coming on the road at Ohio state in week four. And I think with Wisconsin, just going back to taking care of the football, you look at the games they lost, um, taking care of the football was a big reason why they lost those games. Penn state crucial turnovers down the stretch, Notre Dame. Um, I think Graham Mertz had what four, four or five interceptions in that game, Minnesota, there are some crucial turnovers too. Um, just, being able to take care of the football is going to be a crucial key for Wisconsin to have, this, have the success this year. And I think that's going to come down to Graham Mertz, um, new offense, which we didn't really get to touch on almost had by almost, I mean, never really had a chance of getting Caleb Williams. Um, but I think that'll be an interesting new addition, bring Bobby Ingram in and seeing what, new can come from this Wisconsin offense. Yep. I uh I know you you love your Wisconsin Badgers and we could do a whole podcast of you. We could. Just we talking could. about them Wisconsin Badgers. But unfortunately at this time we're gonna move on to the East. Uh starting the salary. Who do you have in number seven? Um this is going to be um I think Rutgers is a better team than being at the bottom by that it's just, I think Indiana, Maryland 
are just going to be better than them this year. I, I, I don't really have a way to quantify that. Um, but Rutgers at four and eight, I think there are games that they could win um, here in the Big Ten. But four and eight is what I got them at. I've got them going three and oh, uh, beating Boston College, Wagner and Temple. But after that, um, it's a it's a tough stretch there before the bye. Um, then Rutgers uh, beating Indiana at home. Then after that's a tough stretch with Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, and then Maryland to round out the year. And I think we've both talked about what Maryland could possibly be this year. Um, yeah, Rutgers is Rutgers. I, I, they're not as bad as they used to be, but they're definitely not in any spot to be contending in the Big Ten East. Yep. Um, at the bottom, I have the Indiana Hoosiers. Sorry, I just filled out your supplemental essay, but you're unfortunately at the bottom of the division. Um, they looked – I was really big on Indiana. I thought Indiana was going places. You know, I was a huge Michael Penix guy. I thought after that 2020 year, I thought that they could, you know, follow it up with some success last year. And, boy, I was wrong. You know, they went – what two and ten? I don't think they won a Big Ten game. Um, they bring in, I expect Connor Bazelak, the Missouri transfer, to be their starting quarterback. Um, I like on the defensive side of the ball, Taiwan Mullen. He's a baller. They're losing, uh, you know, they're they're losing a lot of talent as well, um, including what uh, is it? Is it Micah Mc, McFadden? Right. Yep. Yeah, Micah McFadden. Um, and they the, the defense wasn't good last year with him. So I, I just I don't really see too much upside in the Indiana Hoosiers. I, I do think in general, I've always been a big fan of Tom Allen as a coach. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it's hard to see it. They, they just don't have that many winnable games. I have them starting the year off three and oh with wins over Illinois, Idaho and Western Kentucky. And then I don't have them winning the game from there, I think. You know, they have some opportunities, I think. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily know what Cincinnati is this year. Maybe they could beat them. Um, Nebraska, you never know. You get, you know, you get home, some home games where you can maybe make some noise against Michigan, Maryland, Penn State, Purdue. Those are their home games. Maybe they could, you know, pull an upset somewhere in there. I just, I don't, I don't really see it. I don't love, I don't love the Hoosiers on the gridiron this year. I have them at three and nine. Um, I've got them at four and eight. I don't know what the tiebreaker is. They have, I have them as a better conference record than Rutgers, but Rutgers beating them. Um, so kind of in the same, it's kind of in the same boat here. I have them starting at four and one. I do have them going on an upset um, win at Nebraska, just early season tilts. But after that, um, nothing. It, it, like, I, like you said, I'm a huge fan of Tom Allen as a coach. I think they they did have some talented um, recruiting classes and maybe it was kind of looking like a resurgence for Indiana football. But um, yeah, just this year, um, just not much to um, not much to write home about. Um, Got them at four and eight um, in the cellar of the Big Ten East. Uh, but hey, Indiana, you still have basketball, and they are probably going to win the Big Ten this year. True, going to be a big basketball year for Indiana. 
Um, at six, I have Rutgers at three and nine with the tiebreaker over Indiana being the head-to-head matchup. Um, I like where Rutgers has been progressing. My issue is they actually are losing a lot of talent in um, running back Isaiah Pacheco. He was a baller. Um, gadget guy receiver Bo Melton, both of those guys gone. And then, you know, they, they really that, – that's on top of just not being really a great offense to begin with. They, they really – there just wasn't a lot of big playmaking to be seen. And at quarterback, I mean, I, I would expect it to be no of a draw. Um, Vedral, I don't know how you say it. I can't say that I've I've heard it pronounced. Um, Vedral, yeah. Yeah. Um, either way, I I think Greg Schiano's done a solid job, you know, turning the culture a little bit. But I don't really know. I don't really know how they're gonna pull too much off this year, considering they're losing some of their best offensive playmakers. It's not to say guys couldn't emerge. It's just, again, from a prediction standpoint, I'm not necessarily in tune with Rutgers. Maybe they they have a running back, you know, standing out in, you know, fall camp. I just – I don't I don't know. And with that, I have them getting wins over uh, Wagner, Temple, and Indiana for their, for their three wins. I will say, I mean, you never know with – you know, they play in Nebraska. At, they get Nebraska at home. You never know with that one. But other than that, I just I don't see a ton of winnable games, and the other home games are Iowa, Michigan, and Penn State. Yeah, um, Rutgers. I think last year was the one year that, or one game that Wisconsin actually looked good on offense, and it was against Rutgers. You have to have a pretty specially bad defense to allow that to happen, um, and fortunately, Rutgers was the was the target of that game for Wisconsin. But here at um, number five for me in the Big Ten East, I've got Maryland, which I think they are going to play better than their record. They have some tough games at the Big House, um, at Wisconsin, at Penn State, and Ohio State at home. And um, I've got them, what, six and six but I do think that they will be better than a six and six record um and a tough six and six team to beat in a bowl game you start off three and oh not really the possible upset games um that you're going to lose in non-conference games but nothing too crazy um but after that a tough stretch with Michigan Michigan State and I think Purdue's gonna have a kind of kind of upset game I think they'll be favoring that one but um one that Maryland possibly could win but Purdue's going to pull it out um then you've got wins over Indiana Northwestern and just a tough stretch in in November with at Wisconsin at Penn State and Ohio State at home kind of talked talked about it before maybe Maryland's riding hot after a bye week and going into November Wisconsin's doing a little bit of a look ahead. Maybe they can pull out that win and get some momentum going into Penn State and Ohio State. But um, I think six and six is where I've got them at. Again, um, Talia, Tagovailoa, uh, Rakeem Jarrett, that's a solid connection in the Big Ten East. And again, I think they'll be better than a six and six record, but that's just where I've got them at in this division. We at the fifth spot, 
I have the Penn State Nittany Lions at eight and four. Um, I have a trio of teams at eight and four at the three through five spot. So this is all just based off tiebreaker. Um, Penn State is weird. They started um, what they started five and zero last year. Went two and six down the stretch. Um, and I just I don't know how to feel about Penn State. I, I know that they'll be a solid team. They always they always make their way to that point. But Sean Clifford just has, has been really inconsistent. No, he hasn't had great line play. Um, but it's just it's hard to feel great about about him under center in terms of them making a leap and really competing to win the division. That's where most of my concern comes from. Um I, I don't think you know they didn't really run the ball that well last year. They lose some talent at running back. Um and I don't know. I the, the defense always finds a way to sort itself out. Um, so random that Manny Diaz is now their defensive coordinator. That's one of the strangest just fits. Not because not having anything to do necessarily with Manny Diaz as a as a football mind. Just something about Manny Diaz in the Big Ten feels off. He's not a Big Ten guy to me. Um. Uh. The, and and they lose talent on defense such as Brandon Smith, Arnold Ebiketti. Um, but they bring back um, talent as well. I think the defense is going to be fine. It's just a matter of they need some playmakers to emerge on offense. I think Parker Washington should be solid um, as one of their top targets. It'll be interesting to see how the running game develops. They have some talent. They have some talented freshmen. Um, I just I don't quite see it with Penn State that I feel confident giving them more than eight wins. Um, I, I just I don't see it. The upside to that point with Sean Clifford. I don't think that they'd really pull the plug on him. So I have them eight and four wins over Purdue. And I have them starting similarly. I have them starting five and oh um, with wins over Purdue, Ohio. I have them going to the Plains and beating Auburn. Maybe that's bold. But um, I have them doing that, beating CMU, beating Northwestern before falling to Michigan, then beat Minnesota. And then, I mean, down the stretch, I have them losing to Ohio State, then beating Indiana losing to Maryland, beating Rutgers, losing to Michigan State. So what the last, what is it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven or so weeks, I have them alternating wins and losses. And in my number four spot, um, I've got Michigan State. I think touching on Penn State, I think that'll be an interesting team to watch. Um, And I've got a big upset for them. It, you might be able to just be able to pick who I think that upset is based off of um, context here, but we'll, we'll see what we'll talk about Penn state here in a second, but Michigan state for me kind of touched on them before. Um, I think you're going to see a not wildly different offense, but I think you're going to see a little bit more of a passing than relying on a Kenneth Walker to win you games. Um, kind of like we saw in the peach bowl, I think um, a huge performance from Peyton Thorne, um, solid receivers that they still have there. Um, Jaden Reed's one of them, but yeah, Michigan state, not, not a bad team this year. I just think they're, they've got a really tough stretch and they also have to go to Washington. So I've got them at eight and four with losses to Washington, Ohio state, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Um, really, I, and I think that Wisconsin game can go either way. And so can this Washington game. I just have them on the losing end of both of them. 
Yeah, next up at the four spot, I have the Michigan State Spartans um, with a conference record of five and four and an overall record of eight and four. Um, I really think the offense, I mean, it's going to take a little bit of a step back when you're losing, you know, probably what? one of the best running backs in the country, a guy who's, you know, going to have an impact at, at, you know, the next level. But I, I think Peyton Thorne's a stud. I, I, you know, as much as I'm, um, you know, you won't catch me rooting for Michigan state necessarily. I think Peyton Thorne's a really solid quarterback. I think he's going to um, take on a bigger role this year. Like you kind of mentioned, I think Jaden Reed um, is going to have a big year at receiver and the duo in the backfield of Jarek Broussard and Jalen Berger. There's, there's a lot of talent in that backfield. They also have, you know, Elijah Collins, um, Davion Prim. They're, the offense, there's still talent to be had. I don't think the offense is the spot to worry. What really killed them last year was their uh, pass defense. And uh, I believe Mel Tucker was quoted when he was asked saying that, you know, it can't really get any worse. Um and so they brought in Amir Speed, transfer from Georgia. Um, they they really hit the portal hard, but it you know time will tell. That's going to be the big thing for them is if that defense can improve specifically the pass defense, especially when you know the the Big Ten isn't necessarily known for its gunslingers. I think if you can just have some halfway decent um, performances in the secondary, I think I think they can do really well. So having them at eight and four. Um, with the upside to do even better um, with wins over Western Michigan, Akron, Washington, Minnesota, um, then over Illinois, Rutgers, Indiana, and Penn State. And then coming in at the three spot for me is going to be Penn State at nine and three. Now, Penn State, um, you kind of touched on it last year, had a really solid start just it wasn't able to really materialize it after losing to Iowa. But for this team, I, I don't think, I think Sean Clifford, I'm not, I've never really, really, I've never really been an anti Sean Clifford guy. I think he can win you games. Um, I think we saw in some of those wins, uh, maybe not the Wisconsin game, but the Auburn game had some big plays. Um, losing a little bit of, uh, power in Jahan Dotson but outside of that I think your really tough games are going to be Auburn Michigan Ohio State and Michigan State and I do have them losing at Auburn and I've got them losing at Michigan but I think just something it's going to be your first big home game um, against Ohio State and something about it for me just I, I think that's going to be your whiteout game and I think this is going to be a classic whiteout upset, um, Penn State beating Ohio State. I do have them losing to Michigan State um, in rivalry week. But 9-3 and three is where I've got Penn State, a huge win, and um, possibly going to throw off um, something for Ohio State as they um, are natty, probably not total favorites, but – I think a team that I think is going to have a really good shot at it and possibly throws off where they're going to be standing come November going into the CFP rankings. Yeah, that's honestly one thing I didn't really consider. Sorry if you hear my uh, my computer's so loud it can't handle this many tabs. 
Um, one thing I didn't consider was the whiteout game, but at three for me, you haven't heard their name, and I'm not crazy enough to put them any higher than this, but it's the Maryland Terrapins. Um, I have them at a record of eight and four ahead of the other two based on conference record. I mentioned I like Talia Tonga-Vailoa. Maybe I like him too much, but I think he's a baller. And yes, they lose uh, some of their running game in Tyron Davis-Fleet, but their receiving corps, it's, it's one of the best, not just in, you know, in this in this uh, division, not just the conference. It's one of the best in the country. I And I really believe that. Rakeem Jarrett is the big name you're going to hear about. But then you also have Dante Demas, who is an absolute stud. You add in Jacob Copeland. And, and I think that this, you know, this is a team that can be really good. I'm a, I'm a believer in that offense. And I think, you know, the defense... I'm not, I'm not as certain about the defense. They're going to need to play better defense and they're going to need to just compete more with, um, with the best teams. That's where the issue was with them last year. They won seven games, but they got killed, in, you know, when they played good competition. So that's the thing. They're going to have to rise to that level of competition to a certain extent, but really that, you know, uh, in a game against like in a uh, Michigan State, you're talking about how there aren't necessarily a ton of great passing offenses in this con- in this conference. Maryland, I mean, you got three legitimate receiver options when you're talking about Raheem Jarrett, Dante Demas, Jacob Copeland. That it's hard to stop, and 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 I'm sure I don't you know I don't know as much about some of their running backs. They're pretty young running back group. I think that they have what it takes to, you know, to ruffle some fez- feathers in this conference and uh, and maybe eight and four above Michigan State and Penn State is a little too generous, but I, I like it. I have them with wins over Buffalo, Charlotte. I have them falling to SMU in non-conference as well as Michigan um, at the big house. Then I have them bouncing back, beating Michigan State, beating Purdue, beating Indiana, beating Northwestern. Um, falling to Wisconsin, but then at Penn State, I don't care. Beat them, beat them at Penn State. Um, then they lose to Ohio State, but then they close it out with a win over Rutgers. Call me crazy, Maryland, baby, Maryland. I think, yeah, like I said, my thing. I think Maryland is a good team. I just, I don't know if I can trust them down the stretch. Um, I don't know if you can say that they have the experience of winning these big games, but all it takes is one to change the tide. And I, if, if they can get one, I think they will be better than six and six, uh, eight and four is definitely not out of this world for experience them. Experience is overrated when you have Rakeem Jarrett, Dante Demas, Jacob Copeland. I mean, it, yes. it, I think if nothing else, this team should be, this offense at least should be really fun to watch. Yeah, and I think um, it just adds to the excitement of the Big Ten East. Um, and just, I mean, a, a lot of solid offensive playmakers in that division. And they will be an exciting team to watch. And I would definitely be putting Wisconsin on an upset watch when they come into Camp Randall in November. But um, coming into my, my number two spot, um, Michigan, um, I have them going 10-2. and two. Starting 4-0, um, they do beat Maryland at the big house, and possibly that's going to be a dogfight, and that kind of um, hinders them as they go into another big game against Iowa. 
and uh, they they lose that one. They beat Indiana. They beat Penn State, Michigan State at home. Um, then they beat Rutgers on the road, Nebraska at home, Illinois at home, and then um, going to the shoe to play um, Ohio State. And it's just something about losing a big rivalry game the next year. That team is just so much more invigorated about that game. And it, it very similar with Wisconsin, Minnesota, how they haven't lost it back-to-back years. I think Ohio State, there's no way in hell that they are going to lose uh, the game um, to Michigan once again. And uh, especially at home, they're not going to let that happen at home. And it, I think Michigan was a very solid team last year, but Ohio State is just unbelievable this year. And even with Ohio State, them losing that game to Penn State early in the year, this game is going to be that much more important to them. And I think they're going to win that one by two scores at least. Yeah, second in the conference um, or in the East Division, I suppose. I have the Michigan Wolverines at 10-2. and two. Mentioned them with their you know quarterback deal earlier. They're coming off an incredible year, and it's going to be hard to replicate, but they have the general talent to do it. They really don't lose a ton on offense. Yes, they lose Hassan Haskins, their bell cow running back, which, by the way, sorry if my audio is kind of weird. It's going back and forth between my headphones and the and the uh, mic, so sorry if that's weird. Um, but, yes, yes, they lose Hassan Haskins, but they bring back a healthy Blake Corum, breakout candidate Donovan Edwards. Um, at the, you know, skill positions, you have Cornelius Johnson, uh, Roman Wilson, Andrew Anthony, who's a br- big breakout star. AJ Hennings, a versatile guy. Um, Ronnie Bell, a, you know, people forget about Ronnie Bell. He got injured um, and was obviously out all of last year, which many thought uh, would be a death sentence for Michigan. They were able to win without him, but bringing him back, whatever he has left in the tank is awesome to have. Um, and, you know, on top of that, obviously, who, who's at quarterback is going to be a big factor of that. But I think either way, um, that you know, Michigan's going to have a pretty solid offense. They're going to bank on that run with capable playmakers around at receiver. Yes, you know, they lose when you lose Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, it's it's hard to you know match up, but they you know, they're still a really talented team. Um, and I think they should be able to win, win 10 games. I have them beaten Colorado State, Hawaii, Yukon, Maryland, falling at Iowa, at Kinnick. And then going back, beating Indiana, Penn State, uh, you know, revenge against Michigan State, beat Rutgers, beat Nebraska, beat Illinois, and then sadly fall to Ohio State. And uh, talking about Ohio State, I, I don't think – I haven't met my number one. I don't think there's really much more I can say. Um, haven't really officially said it, but I, I am going to pick Ohio State as my natty winner this year. It's going to be a tough fight with – Alabama and um, where they're going to be ranked if they do happen to lose a game in the regular season. But I, I do, I'm going to say Ohio State, um, depending on matchups, I, is going to be my um, preseason natty pick. They do have a tough schedule. They start off with Notre Dame, but I think they should be able to handle the Irish pretty easily. Wisconsin at home, again, not a pushover, but they should handle Wisconsin. Uh, Michigan stay on the road, they should handle that game. Iowa, and I think maybe with the, some of these tough wins that they're going to have to have, I think maybe there's where you're bound to have your loss at, at a big game 
at Penn State. So th that's kind of my reasoning for picking it. I don't think Penn State is going to be a crazy good team this year. I just think that they have the capability of beating Ohio State, especially with that um, home field advantage. But after that, uh, pretty relatively easy for Ohio State, Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, and then riding that momentum into beating Michigan and taking the rivalry back for this year. And I have Ohio State winning the West or winning the East, rather. Yep. Ohio State, I have them going a perfect 12 and 0. That's not to say, like you mentioned, they, they have some challenging parts of their schedule. Um, opening up against Notre Dame is no easy task. They go on the road at Michigan State and Penn State, as well as on the road against Redshirt, Darling, Maryland. Um, but they're just, I, I just don't think there's a team that can really hang with them. CJ Stroud, um, to me, second, second best quarterback in the country. Um, he's just, he's that good. And when you have the weapons that he has, it's crazy to think that Ohio State is losing two first round receivers and they're like not really going to feel it because Jackson Smith and Jigba might be, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba might in general be a better player than CJ Stroud. I think he might be a top five player in the sport. That's just how good I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is. I think I would spend a top 10 pick on him next year. Um, in the yeah, NFL. I think this, um, this goes to the Stroud versus Young debate um, and who you're going to take in the draft. Um, I think this receiving core is – I don't think C.J. Stroud is bad by any means. I think he'll be a solid NFL quarterback, but I would rather have Young over Stroud because I think Stroud does have the luxury and not say that Alabama's receiving core is bad either. But Ohio State definitely has one of the best receiving cores of – I would say not the best, but one of the best of the 21st century by far. Absolutely. I mean, you you still have Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming, uh, Marvin Harrison, all of those guys possible breakouts. Um, the defense wasn't incredible last year, but I think it'll improve. They brought in uh, Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. I think we may finally see that big year from Zach Harrison. Could see step forward for JT to Malau. Um, I don't know exactly how to say the last name, if I'm being honest, but I just I, I don't see Ohio State stumbling. I really don't. I think there's not a team here that can quite match them in the ways that they need to be matched in the sense of, you know, Michigan State, maybe they have the offense to score a little bit with them, but there's no way in hell they're stopping, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba Julian Fleming. Um, Penn State, yeah, I guess it's the whiteout game and you throw out some of the matchups. I don't think Penn State really has the firepower on offense to do it. Um, Michigan, maybe if it was in in Ann Arbor, but going to the shoe after beating them last year, I don't I don't know if if Michigan could really replicate that. So I have them going a perfect twelve and zero, which you know, and having them beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship, and I I wouldn't pick them as my natty winner, um, but I would definitely have them going to the college football playoff. And and go into the national championship. And um, all right, we going to right, we both have the same conference championship, and we both have Ohio State winning. I'm assuming. Yeah, and I I think it would be maybe not as bad as what it was when Ohio State won like 59 nothing or whatever. Yeah, but I it, I I think it would be like a cur I think it would be a total curb stomping. Sorry, Joey. I think I, Ohio it, State wouldn't kill them. I it goes back to um 
you know, what, whatever game you want to say, Wisconsin versus Ohio State, you go back to 2019, where I think Wisconsin was leading that game for a little bit. 2017, Wisconsin was undefeated. Um, and if they won that game, they were in the college football playoff. This is not going to be that game. It's not going to be 59 nothing, but it's not going to be those two games either. Um, I've always said all Wisconsin needs is to be better than Ohio State one day and one year. This is not that year. You are not going to be better than Ohio State. If you're playing Wisconsin's brand of football, you're not going to be better than Ohio State this year. Maybe in years to come, possibly, but it's it's not going to be this year. Um, and Wisconsin, um, probably, if, if they have this season, um, going to the Rose Bowl, that's going to be – wait, is the Rose Bowl a CFP game this year? I'm not certain. I don't think it is because it was – it was – whatever it yeah because two two years ago it was the rose bowl in dallas so yep. it has so, another year of rotation okay so you go to the rose bowl congratulations you might play what usc oregon it's gonna be a good good matchup for you getting new year's six bowl but um yeah you're not gonna beat ohio state this year and as much as i hate to say it that is just the truth of it yeah it's uh the reality ohio state uh, you know it, it's just incredible how talented they are and it'll they're, they're just it's a fun brand of football to watch no doubt but um i mean we we really went over it all um in terms of the big town i'm trying to think do you have anything anything else small to add nope um yeah i think ohio state is going to be the team to beat this year possibly in the entire country um Wisconsin is going to be another classic good, not great. Even though they're going 11 and 1, that's going to be one of the best seasons in recent memory, but that's not what Wisconsin wants. They want better, but yep. not going to get this year. Ohio State's just too good. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. So that'll just about conclude this episode. Appreciate you guys for listening. Um, as always, check out the blog, the redshirt.blog or the redshirt.website.com. Um, follow the Instagram at the redshirt. That's where there will be updates on new podcasts, new blogs. Um, if you feel like it, follow the Twitter um, at the redshirt blog. One day I'll start tweeting on there consistently. Maybe that day will be when you follow. Um, and obviously you're listening to the redshirt podcast on Spotify. We really appreciate you guys for listening in. Uh, Joey, any shameless plugs before we uh, close this one out? Nope. All right, that'll be all for this episode of the Red Trip Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.